Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 76 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I hope this episode finds you well, and I thank you for giving me some of your time today. I'd like to go ahead and apologize in advance for how this episode may sound, and for the fact that it's shorter than most. I've been a bit under the weather, but I still wanted to get an episode out. However, in order to do that, I needed to shorten this episode just a bit. So what are we discussing today? We're going to talk about some light and fluffy cotton-related topics. Let's go ahead and pick apart today's phrases, origins, history, and more. First up is I Don't Cotton to That, which was a suggestion from Paul over at the Varmints podcast. If you love animals, or even just sort of think animals are slightly interesting, check out the Varmints podcast. It's truly fantastic. So anyway, what does this idiom mean? If you don't cotton to something, you don't like it, or you don't understand it. To understand this phrase, we really need to look at the more positive version, which is simply to cotton to. This means the opposite, that you do like or understand something. When it comes to a literal meaning, when a fiber blends well with other fibers to make a cloth, then that fiber cottons. So basically, when fibers like each other, they blend well. And since understanding could also be described as something coming together, both idiomatic meanings make sense. We know that people have been using cotton to in the literal way since at least the 15th century, because we find it in a 1488 entry in the accounts of the Lord High Treasurer of Scotland, which were the publicly recorded audited accounts of the Lord High Treasurer of Scotland. A translation of the entry we're looking at said, quote, An L of cottoned white cloth to lie on the same horse. End quote. Over the years, other meanings have been in use, such as to prosper, to be in harmony with, and to become friendly with. By the 17th century, the most common usage seems to be the one about being friendly. In 1648, the royalist soldier and poet, Sir George Wharton, put out a pamphlet called Mercurius Elenticus, which was meant to mock the English Parliament. In it, he used the word cotton, which was then spelled C-O-T-T-E-N, as a verb that meant to make friendly advances. There has been some speculation about whether the idea behind this idiom came from the fact that raw cotton, especially when wet, will stick to most anything or if it's more akin to the idea that when two people move closer together in a romantic gesture, their cotton garments move closer to one another. Most likely, it's the properties of the raw cotton that led to this saying, at least according to John Camden Hotton, an English bibliophile and publisher. In 1869, he published Slang Dictionary and included the following definition for cotton, quote, Cotton, to like adhere to or agree with any person, to cotton on to a man, to attach yourself to him or fancy him, literally, to stick to him as cotton would. End quote. 
It boils down to this. Cotton sticks to stuff, and if you like something, then you stick with it. And if you understand something, it sticks with you. Ergo, if you don't like or understand something, it's not going to be something that sticks around. Now, let's get into some high cotton. If you're living in high cotton, then you're well off. This one is pretty straightforward. Cotton has been made into cloth since way back into old-timey times, for at least 7,000 years. So people have been cultivating cotton for a long time. Over time, two aspects of growing cotton have lended themselves to this idiom. First of all, the taller cotton grows, the better the harvest will be, and therefore the more money you'll make from the crop. Secondly, tall cotton provides more shade, making the work in the field more comfortable than it would be in the direct sunlight. That's really all there is to it. If you're growing cotton, having high cotton is best. No one seems to know exactly when the phrase got its start. It's just a literal thing that, over time, morphed into an idiom. But there's a little more to this saying that you may not know about. I certainly didn't before I started researching for this episode. Another version of the saying is shining in high cotton and wiping with the highest whitest bowls. This number two version comes from people having to do well, number two. If someone had to, um, fertilize the fields, they would just do their business out in the field instead of going all the way back to whatever facilities were available to them. Once they were finished, they'd use what was handy to clean up. In this case, cotton. The taller and healthier a cotton plant is, the softer and fluffier the bowls will be. So, if you're in high cotton, the wiping options available to you are more pleasant, versus the lower, seedier, less fluffy bowls found lower down on the plant. Now let's move on from picking cotton to eating it. National Cotton Candy Day is December 7th, which is just four days after this episode drops. So, I thought I'd go over the history of cotton candy, mainly because it's delicious and fun to eat. It's also fun to make or watch others make. So, where did this fluffy food stuff come from? As with many popular things, many places claim to be the home of this fun food. Some people think that at least some version of a spun sugar treat can be traced all the way back to 15th century Italy, while some say that it wasn't around until the 19th century and was developed in Europe. When and wherever it got its start, we know that the modern-day machine-spun sugar was invented in 1897. Oddly enough, one of the men who brought this sugary dessert into the modern world was a dentist. His name was William Morrison, and he teamed up with confectioner John Wharton. At the 1904 World's Fair, they sold 68,655 boxes of what they called fairy floss. They sold it for 25 cents a box, making over $17,000. The modern-day equivalent price per box would be around $6, so if they were selling at a modern-day fair, they would have made over $400,000, if my math is right. Even if my math is wrong, they made a ton of money off some sugar. William Morrison probably made money off all the cavities, too, so win-win for him. 
1921, another dentist named Joseph Lascaux got in on the spun sugar game by inventing a machine to spin sugar, one similar to the one Morrison and Wharton invented. See, these dentists are totally just trying to make more business for themselves. <laughs> anyway, in his patent, he coined the term cotton candy, and that name slowly replaced fairy floss across most of the world. However, it is still called fairy floss in Australia. By the 1970s, an update to the machine made it more automatic, and it both made and packaged the fluffy product. This made it even easier and faster to produce and sell. That's the highlights of the story of cotton candy. But before we end today, I have one more cotton-related thing to share with you. Here's an old-timey times superstition for you, toppers. Apparently, some folks used to believe that if you lost a loved one, you should only wear mourning gloves made entirely of cotton. Otherwise, one funeral will follow another, over and over, until your home is empty. I don't know if this is true or not, but if you want to be safer than sorrier, make sure you choose those mourning gloves carefully. Now it's time for today's familiar quotation. Toppers, today's familiar quotation is from Mr. Solomon Northup. Here's what he had to say about cotton. Quote, There are few sights more pleasant to the eye than a wide cotton field when it is in bloom. It presents an appearance of purity, like an immaculate expanse of light, new-fallen snow. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Northup, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, Love Advice from Old Timey Times. Just a quick disclaimer, remember that this advice is over a hundred years old. While some of the advice is still good today, I don't necessarily agree with every tip I read from these books. It's for entertainment purposes only. With that out of the way, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't let your husband feel that you are a dear little woman, but no good intellectually. If you find yourself getting stale, wake up your brain. Let there be nothing your husband can talk about that you will be unable to understand. And now for the men. Ugh, toppers, I know I don't usually interject in between these, but today's don't for husbands is actually quite fitting for today's episode. Don't keep her in cotton wool. She isn't wax. She's a woman. All right, toppers. That's going to do it for episode 76. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnaphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, how to send me topic suggestions, how to support the podcast, and for details about the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. 
Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, may you be in high cotton. Toodaloo. And now... This is... Let me rephrase. Thank you for... Oh, oh, oh. So what are we discussing? We know that people have been using cotton to... No, no, no. Because we find it in a fort... No, 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 no. Put out a pamphlet called Mercurius... Oops, I don't know how to say that. Mercurius... Elenticus. That's good enough. I think that's it. Put out a pamphlet called Mercurius Elenticinus. Elenticus. Whether the idea behind this idiom came from the fact that raw it raw idiom? <laughs> no. Most likely it is the properties of raw cotton that left nope, I spelled that's a that's a typo. That lended itself to the saying that nope, that's a, nope. Most likely it's the properties of raw cotton that lend lend I know what I meant to write, but I didn't write it. Most likely, it is the properties of the raw cotton that led to this set. <laughs> oh, S's. Some people think that some version of shun, 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 shun. They sold it for over, nope. In 1921, another dentist named Joseph Lascaux got in on the spoon, spoon, nope, that's supposed to be spun.